Breakfast from Scotston. This is the Glasgow Warriors official podcast with Jack and Ashy. Welcome back to Warriors Weekly, the official Glasgow Warriors Club podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Acast and every other podcast platform. Please keep your reviews coming in and your feedback using the hashtag Warriors Weekly. The team's back together. The band is back together. After missing an episode last week, Adam Ash is back with me today. Ashy, I'm delighted to have you back. We did miss you. Thanks. Good to be back on home soil. Um, no, it's good to be here, Jack. Looking forward. Jacko to stepped in. Jacko stepped in, and we'll he be inviting well. him back. I got some positive feedback from uh, some listeners about how well he done, and uh, I'm not going to lie, I did give it a listen <laughs> just to see how he done, uh, and he was good. You know, I think there might be a future for him in this industry. Uh, I don't know, maybe some sort of gin podcast or something like that. But uh, no, he done well. You've been. You were away last week training in Scotland camp. You were there yesterday as well. How's that all going? Going well. Um, it was good. It's a pretty sharp. Turnaround from the Monster day off the weekend. Been, no, been all over the place. So we came back from Munster or Ireland on Sunday morning. It was quite a long travel home. Um, we flew back to Edinburgh after a two and a half hour bus journey from Limerick to Knock Airport, and then obviously had to drive back to Glasgow. So then end up getting back in here till about three o'clock, and then I had to be in Edinburgh for five. So uh, non-stop. Um, but ah, it's been good. Yesterday was a, a full day's training. Uh, boys are preparing well for uh, the Wales game this weekend, so yeah, it's exciting. Back to Glasgow and that Munster game. Mm-hmm. I was gutted at I'm full time. Hurting, man. I was gutted at full time, but I can't even imagine how you were feeling. Talk us through that. Yeah, man, it was probably the most painful defeat I've been involved in. Aye. Like. Just the way the game unfolded, obviously, yeah, you know, they scored s- the start, seven points on the board pretty quickly, and then we came back into the game. It was a feisty game, there was a lot of niggle, a lot of heart went into it, um, and then we managed to build up a healthy lead. And then, you know, sort of 65 minutes, they had a they, they scored a couple of tries off the back of a couple of, like, I guess, intense periods of ball in hand. Mm-hmm. And then, obviously, last play of the game. It came down to a kick, um, which was extremely unfortunate. And you know, probably the worst thing about it is, is when we played them three years ago. Uh, three years ago, I think it was last time we played at Toman Park, when it was obviously we had the European games, but the last time in we the played them in the league there, it finished a similar way. I can remember Rory Clegg had a drop goal that put us in front, and then literally I think it was seventy-eight something on the clock. Um, we gave away a penalty, forty. 35, 40 metres out and they knocked it over to win the game so man, it must be cursed or something that, that place for the Glasgow Warriors but no it was it was difficult like I think there were a few guys close to tears at the end of that game mm. um, you know this it was certainly very quiet in the changing room afterwards and um, you know it took a few hours for people to kind of for their spirits to have been lifted but you know that sport I guess sometimes it can um go for you and sometimes it can go against you and it can be cruel sometimes and I think that was an example of you know how cruel it can be what about the game itself super physical out there I'd imagine yeah it was a physical game man I always love playing against Munster like just they've got forwards that run hard but they also play a pretty exciting brand of rugby um, and there's no doubt about it their forwards are always up for you know, a physical battle um, I think we've seen that in the weekend so you know, one of those games where you know each pack and well, each team was just throwing everything at it and uh, 
it was uh, it was fun to play and you know I'd probably say for myself it's probably the game I've enjoyed most this year to be honest with you um, so yeah I mean in terms of well 79 minutes of the game yeah. <laughs> was probably the most I've enjoyed yeah, this yeah. year but um, you know it was a real roller coaster experience I guess the, the whole day and the game and the way it finished up but you know we'll, uh, we'll come back together uh, the group and, and just move on to Ospreys this weekend. So do you, as a player, do you just look now, the best way to get over that is to play another game and to get yeah. into get into Os- Ospreys like, and the planning for Ospreys? I think so, that's the good thing about sport and playing in a team and especially rugby is you've always normally got next week to to get back into things and get back on track. Um, you know, there's no doubt about it. I wasn't here for the review yesterday. I'll catch up with the guys tomorrow uh, when we come back in, but um, you know, sometimes it can be a bit painful looking over the game again and trying mm-hmm. to figure out where it was that we went wrong and what we can do better. Um, but you know, as I say, it's you know, it's, you just you just got to park it and move on. And I think you know, that's the reason you play. It's because you know, it's such a roller coaster. You can have the highs of winning, but mm-hmm. you can also lose that way, and it's painful. Like it is, you know, you don't want that to happen. Yeah, yeah. And it can happen, and it and it really, I think it. You know that full emotional roller coaster that you experience, you know, as an athlete or a follower of a sports team or whatever. You, you know, that that's why that's why we like it because it does really experience that full range of human emotion and it does uh, it's gripping. There's some new boys out there. Um, I mean, Stephen McDowell wasn't his debut, but it was the longest he's played in a Warriors shirt, and he. Mm-hmm. I mean, he stood up, didn't he? He's an animal, that lad, man. Performed Jeez. well. Grant Stewart as well in the front row his first uh, start and didn't look out of place Cheesy all. boy, Grant Stewart. He had a, a really good game. So why is he called Cheese? Um, why is he called Cheese? I do know this. Um, I'm sure... Uh, well, he's he's a really quiet lad and we were away on our tour, one of his first trips, and there's a pre-season somewhere. And he just ate a lot of cheese. It's <laughs> <laughs> as simple as that. Like, he doesn't didn't say much. You know, he just... Whenever we were at lunch or dinner, whenever the subject of cheese came out, he'd Aye, come exactly. out of his shell. I totally. He'd be nibbling away like a little hamster or a mouse or something. So, um, now he played well. He, uh, I thought he carried really well man, mm. in the game. Um, you know, some fantastic go forward for us. And Stafford had that big carry. That Stafford bloody bowled that guy. Never seen anything like it. First touch comes off the bench, and the guy's bloody. Lying on his back, and we should have scored that try. I don't know what was going on with that, but um, uh, he was impressive when he came off the bench. I think uh, two two big futures for those lads. For it, was sure. a, it was a big game for Chris Fasaro as well. I sat down with him yesterday, and I've got a really nice chat with him later on in the podcast. But what kind of bloke is he to have around the place? Oh, he's a top lad. Like he's a uh, he, he's got a wise head on him. Um, he's, he's a clever guy. He knows. Uh, what to do and when to do it. Um, he, he's a fantastic guy to have around the team. Uh, I think somebody who, I guess, epitomises the, the the standards that we've set here over the years. You know, he's been here. I think it's nine years now. Mm-hmm. I think I read yesterday. Um, so he's he's really been here. Well, I guess since the clubs kind of came through the ranks of playing at Fur Hill, um, and then really, I guess, you know, being quite successful over the last four or five years. So. He's a great guy to have in the squad, and obviously it's a massive achievement to get 150 caps. So, uh, yeah, he's, he's he's a good friend of mine, and somebody that I think you know. When rugby finishes, I'll massively keep in contact with. Um, so, yeah, massive congratulations to him. And a nightmare to train against, oh from, from what I've heard. 
I had a couple of rumbles with him, I'll tell you. <laughs> so, at the start of the season, I think it was the week before the first game, um, he's just a nose in training. Like, he's literally... Like if he if he's in the opposition team, you know that he's going to come gunning for you. He's going to cheap shot you. He's going to shoulder you. He's going to he's going to basically do what the opposition do on game yeah, day. Yeah, so I guess it's beneficial for the team. It's aye, it is. You know, in some way or another, it's recreating it's a kind of like <laughs> you know, when you're out there running about and your you know your body's been battered in from the weekend before, and he's wanting to go. You for got a game, game tomorrow, exactly. <laughs> but uh, I we had a little bit of a uh, disagreement on the field. Um, it resulted in. What what happened was he um, he cleared me out at a rock. It was touch, so I was like <laughs> I seen red. So then I was like next time I get the opportunity to get him at a rock, I'm going to get him. So then I hit him, kind of cleared him out, and then uh, I was on my knees and he was kind of like falling to the floor. He got up quickly, and then he like pushed me. I was on my knees. He pushed me like back over my legs like that. So I landed kind of on my back. And then I got up and tried to grab him. But as I grabbed him, like he pushed me away, and I swear, my one of my fingers is like bent now, and it's not went back to its normal ways since then. So, so what's the policy when that happens? Because it must happen out there. You guys are running into each other all day. You must every now and then there must be yeah, a disagreement. Is. What happens at the end of the session? Do you um, usually what happens is we'll kind of huddle up and uh, you know sort of review the session and what we got out of it, and then. You know, if anybody's had a little tussle, you know, you'll come together and the boys will be like, right, Ashy Fazaro, hug it out. And you'll we'll just go into the middle of the circle and hug it out. And actually, uh, Chris and I, with our Italian uh, roots, we decided to give each other a kiss on the cheek that day. So that's what happened. It's beautiful, man. It is, it was nice, you know. And uh, of course, uh, you just get on with things and, you know, there's friends again. No grudges held. So, aye, he's good at that. He likes to do it. And, uh, yeah, there's definitely a place for it, I think. Well, he talks about it with me a little bit yesterday, and here it is when I caught up with Chris Vassaro, fresh from making his 150th appearance. This is the Glasgow Warriors official podcast. Chris, thanks for joining us. Um, we'll start with the 150. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Do you remember your first? Uh, yes, it was against Cardiff Blues at Furhill 2010, it must have been. Just after Christmas time, we got pumped by about 40 points. So, yeah. Was there anyone playing in that game that's still in the squad? Or is it are you the longest uh, No, it was Hornies, one of Hornies early games as well. Peter Horn, obviously. Um, George was still in nappies, I think, at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, who else have been playing? Me, Pete. Rob Harley was playing at that stage. Um, and that's probably about it. Jacko. Yeah, Rudy Jackson there. So, a couple of the old guard. And so, how. How did you feel making your 150? It was obviously a really disappointing result, but what did it mean to you to, to get Yeah, to the so obviously yeah, the, the build-up was fantastic. I was actually uh, lucky enough to graduate the day before, so uh, somehow managed to time it that I graduated from the Open Uni and then get 150th cap on the same weekend. was was pretty special. Um, yeah, I just think being looking back and being uh, part part of the journey, just you know, even just being a small part of the journey from... When we first started, you know, we came eleventh in the uh, in the league the first season that I played, and then the year after that, I think made five or six consecutive semi-finals or finals. So um, yeah, it's just been it's been incredible. It's, it has, I know it's a bit of a cliche, but it's gone by in the in the blink of an eye. But then you uh, you realise how sore and old your your body's feeling. So uh, yeah, in that in that respect, it's been it's been quite a long journey as well. Was it a gradual progression that that incline into a team that eventually? Yeah, yeah. So qualifies for the playoffs, lost the semi, 
next year won the semi, got to the final, lost the final, then the year after. Um, did we get to the final twice? Yeah, so we lost to Leinster. Lost to Leinster, yeah, that's right. And then the year after, beat Munster, yeah. So it was a four-year progression. Mm-hmm. But what um, was what was happening behind the scenes that saw that progression? Um, yeah, so I think we, the the core of the squad. Obviously, there was some older guys when I first started that, that moved on the first kind of two years. So 2010, 2011, then 11-12 season. But after that, we kind of retained a really good core of players. And again, I know it's a bit of a cliche, but we, did, we became really close knit. We all kind of socialised together, we had you know similar ages with guys, um, obviously apart from Al, he was ancient, always, always has been. Um, but no, like we just retained a good squad and a good core for kind of three, four years in a row. And you know, managed to hold on to guys like Leonie Nakarawa for an extra year and then he played obviously the year that we won the final and Nico was keeping hold of those guys, like guys with a bit of, you know, um, what do they call it? X Factor. X Factor, that's the word I was looking for, a bit of X Factor, but also guys who would play week in, week out, like really good squad players, and we, we had all that, and it was, it was like the perfect mix of ingredients, I think, going into the uh, that last year, um, sorry, well, Gregor's second last year, mm-hmm. um, when we, we managed to win it, and it always just felt like we, we couldn't lose, you know, you felt we had a real, really good confidence in the team, it de- definitely wasn't arrogance, it was just confidence, and we knew that if we all worked hard for each other and kind of stuck to our task, like we all, Gregor implemented a really, uh, not a simple game plan, but one that we could all buy into and everyone did and it just all clicked. How important was it, the, those off the field friendships and yeah. the, the core of the squad being so close, how does that relate, how does that transcend onto the pitch? Yeah, well I, th- I think, you know, it's it's almost kind of like uh, a bit like being in the military, I suppose, that you kinda, you'd go to go to war with your, your pal and you'd, you know, you'd sacrifice everyone for him and I think that 100% transferred onto the pitch. You know, you'd, Want to go? Like Al talked about it a lot. Like going to dark places with your with your mates, and we were all willing to do that for each other. And I think that willingness never to put yourself first and always somebody else, um, yeah, just gave us that extra edge. Um, Pete Horn, you mentioned him earlier. You do you remember the first time you met Pete Horn? You've been friends for forever. Yeah, we have. Yeah, what would it have been? Primary three or primary four? Pete was a bit more rotund <laughs> back then, but um, yeah, he was. So his his old man Gary Horn. Um, coached along with one of the other boys' dads, uh, John Lothangy. Those were our coaches from primary four all the way through to uh, to under 18s. Um, so yeah, Horney was always, he was a very competitive man. Um, I think him and his brother, his, their mum Hazel, had to ban them from playing tennis because he got so angry. We like smash up their rackets, you know, at age eight or nine. So yeah. they've always had that competitive edge, <laughs> um, which is something that I love all about both of them. Um, be honest, he's been, a, he's been a great mate, and again to. Were you always friends? Or yeah, yeah, just yeah. Friends? I'll, I'll always be friends. Yeah, <laughs> never enemies, <laughs> never enemies. Um, but no, just again to. It's just a bit of a bit of a fairy tale, I suppose, to have a guy that you know you go through. We went to high school together, not different primary schools, but high school together. Played in the same rugby team since we were um, seven, eight years old, and then turned up, you know, playing at a lot of our caps together at Glasgow, and also you know getting caps the national team together as well. It's been. Pretty awesome to have your best mate there along the way, and it's made it, uh, yeah, made it even more special. You must have some stories about him. This is your opportunity to <laughs> throw him under the bus. Uh, well, it's actually he won't mind me saying this because it was in his best man speech. Um, but we were, what was it? We we're playing. I think it was Caledonia under 16s, and uh, we had a guy in our uh, team called what was his name, Sipo, and he was, was uh, quite good at rapping. And we ended up having a party at my house. I think it was at the end of one of the campaigns or whatever. And Pete thought, you know, it'd be a, a great idea to get up and try and beat this guy in a rap battle. You know, there was girls there from school and stuff, so it was his big chance. And he went down in a ball of flames. So it was it was pretty funny. Well, it was absolutely hilarious actually. But um, uh, one that we won't forget about too soon.
let's talk about your kind of your current form and Dave Rennie coming in. So you played under Gregor for so long, and then yep. Dave came in. And in those first kind of six months that Dave came in, you didn't really get an awful lot of game time. Mm -hmm. And now you've kind of found that you're you're in every squad. You like he he refuses to drop you. <laughs> what, um, what was the difference between those six months? Did something happen? Did you find was it a change of coaching that you found dif difficult, or did you uh, have to? What, well, what, what's happening there? So you know, I actually had a couple of really good, uh, honest conversations with with Dave. Probably about six months into it, you know, when we were uh, kind of chatting about new contracts and that kind of stuff. But he he said, you know, the previous two seasons, and in all fairness to him, what he'd seen, you know, I was injured a fair bit. You know, I'd had um, bad groins, bad knees, maybe not achieved much consistency in performance due to injuries and stuff. You know, people people have peaks and troughs, I'm you know, I'm the first one to admit that. We all have bad days at the office, go off the ball and that kind of thing. So that maybe contributed to his um perception of, of, of what I was like and, you know, I like to think that I kinda let my playing, let my training do the talking. So when I didn't get selected, again it was pretty simple for me. I just kinda got my head down and, and kept working hard and I know that you know, if I can show a coach what I'm about, if I, if I get a chance, I can show them, and hopefully they'll uh, kind of repay that faith in me. And you know, I got I got a couple of chances earlier on. Had a bit of trouble with concussion, you know, um, towards the start of last season. But then, come November time, I suppose I was lucky. It's a shame for Cully, but he got an Achilles injury, and then I kind of got a wee a wee run of games. And yeah, ever since then, I just you know, tried to do what I what I think I'm I'm good at. And uh, yeah, Dave seems to like it. So it did. It just took me a while to kind of. Change his perception maybe of what he had about me, and then uh, and you just did that by head down. Exactly, yeah. I mean, it's not. I always say, I say it to Horney all the time actually that for me being a seven, all you have to do really is run around and try and hit folk quite hard. So it's quite a simple. It's maybe a, a bit simplistic, but you know, compared to being a back, you've got to low, know lots of calls and all that kind of thing and running the game. For me, you know, it's you pretty simple. Ball. Exactly. Whoever, but you get you just run about and try and hit folk basically. And again. Um, it's simplistic, but that if I if I get you know a good run of games trying to do that, then that should hopefully show coaches what I'm about. So once I yeah once I got a few chances, try to do his training as much as I could. Obviously, uh, not trying to hurt people, but you know just be be well, angry. I'll, and, uh, I wanted to bring that up. Yeah, like, yeah. I've asked a few people about who do they hate training with the most, and, and it's always you. What, uh, what, why I mean, is that? Uh, I just like to train how I play. I guess um, it's one of those ones where if you do it at training, then you should definitely be able to do it in the game. So. Again, yeah, I always try and try and bring that to uh, to every training session. Again, if you're in the non-23, you know it keeps the the team on their on their toes. I mm -hmm. like to think and it helps helps them prepare for the weekend. Plus, I'm just an angry guy in general. So, is there anyone particularly at training who it's really easy to noise up and really easy to get <laughs> under their skin? Yeah, the new, uh, Adam Hastings. I love I love getting under his skin. Again, it's a thing with sevens and standoffs. I think you always try and hit them late, but yeah, Hasto, um he's an easy one to wind up. Just give him a wee late shoulder, and he's he bites straight away. So that's always good fun. That's what you like. <laughs> um, it was Horney who, after your 150th this weekend, said a few words, and you could see what it meant to you. Yeah. you and then when you, you made a speech to the boys, you mentioned some of the young guys as well. Yeah. You made a point to mention them. Have you been impressed with anyone in particular? And do you see that as one of your responsibilities? As you're only 29, but you're one of the elder statesmen <laughs> of the yeah. squad. Is that yeah. something you've um, taken on? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I think it is really important for for us to give as much guidance. We've been. Uh, patronising of course but you know giving as much guidance as we can and, and where we see fit because it's becoming I reckon it's becoming more and more intense the pressure you know mentally and even physically you know for, for young guys coming through they come in to this environment now at 17, 18 I was 20, 21 you know I'd been to uni mm -hmm. I'd done a bit of sevens before but 
you almost get chucked in at the deep end. So I think all the support that we can give, you know, should should hopefully help them give them a bit more resilience. Um, young guys coming through, we've been really lucky at Glasgow. You know, the academy boys. So Stafford McDowell got on early against Munster. I thought he was outstanding. Um, yeah, exactly. Grant Stewart. You know, for a for a hooker, he's got great feet, great skills. He was incredible in the loose. Um, obviously, you know these guys; they've all still got stuff to work on. But in terms of potential, I think Glasgow's in a, a really good place going forward. Did you have anyone? Did you have a you then in that position when you first started? Was there anyone who kind of put their put their arm around you? Um, <laughs> you know, and again, you'll you'll be happy that I'm saying this. But Big Al, probably, you know, he was in terms of a captain. I can cut this. <laughs> but no, he. Again, it's a bit of a cliche, and I've said that a few times now. But somebody that you'd, you know, if he'd asked you to run through a brick wall for him, you'd do it. And having that kind of person as your leader and the, you know, as your captain for my kind of first five, six years at Glasgow, that was, that made, you know, it made it easy to go out and perform. Knowing, you know, the way he kind of got the boys up for games and stuff, and that was brilliant. He always knew what to say. He said it at the right time. You know, he gave me loads of good guidance when I was younger. But saying that, you know, having. Um, Kelly Brown, Johnny Beatty, and John Barkley here, who were the, the starting back row for Scotland at the time, that just you know gave you something to aspire to and be able to train with guys like that, like guys of that calibre, um, definitely brings you on as a youngster. We mentioned the title win in there. I'd imagine that's your number one highlight. But yeah. are there any other games that, like maybe a game that people would not think of in those in those 150 that really yeah. stand out? <laughs> um, so, what was it? three or four games into my second pro season, so the year that was the 2011 World Cup, mm-hmm. so kind of all the international boys were away and we played, we lost, we lost our first three games I think, um, Munster, Ulster and somebody else, and then the fourth game was Leinster away, so it wasn't much, you know, wasn't much kind of hope, hope for us a young team, and um, we managed to go out and beat Leinster away in Dublin for the first time in a long time, so that probably stands out as kind of one of the first first games where we kind of played and I thought oh Christ we're actually you know quite a good team if we, we stick at it we can do well so probably that that game really stands out in memory and the uh, the night out afterwards obviously pretty good fun um, <laughs> yeah so that was that was probably one of my favourite games from uh, you know my first kind of couple of seasons at Glasgow and then that game last weekend against Munster nearly was one of those games wasn't it you said afterwards it felt like you'd lost a cup final yeah just talk us through it how was yeah I mean yeah just you know a couple of we, 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 we've talked about it obviously as a team but you know just a couple of little key moments in the game where we, where it's, it goes their way you know it doesn't go our way and it just kind of get let them back into the game a couple of wee mistakes give them momentum and yeah I guess we probably could have kept playing a wee bit more when we tried to you know close out the game a wee bit early but um, but yeah just the whole you know games like that they're so close and so physical like the boys left absolutely everything out in the pitch you know we were, they were battered we were battered and bruised after the game and just I guess the whole emotion of it all. You just, you know, I th- I thought we were going to win the game. Fifteen seconds to go in the clock, give away a penalty, and the guy nailed it. And you're thinking, you know, I was obviously praying for him to miss it, and it was yeah, just the whole emotion of it. I guess you were thinking we're going to win, and then boom, just kind of you drop off the edge of a cliff, and you've you've lost. And you saw how much it meant to them as well. The way mm-hmm. they celebrated their bench, ran onto the pitch. You know, their fans were going crazy. So again, I think that's a respectful sign of you know how much it means to beat Glasgow now as well even in your at your own home and a team as uh, experienced as Munster so so yeah and how do you deal with that after the game now because I was in a few of those meetings and the analysis has been we played really well and we yeah. should be really proud of our performance yeah. obviously you got rid of the defeat so how do you balance that going into another big game against Ospreys yeah I guess it's using all the all the hurt and the pain to kind of fuel you for next week you know we 
we've had three really good performances. We've been really physical, you know, against uh, Saracens, Cardiff, and now Munster. So it's been able to replicate that. I think you know the, the team that we've got and the, we've done a lot of clarity, so people know the role. It's obviously about mindset now. So been able to replicate that mindset, um, making sure we're going there. You know, we've got a bit of a break after this, so. It's no excuse, guys. You'll give it their all, leave it out in the pitch, and fingers crossed we get the five points. You did press before your 150th, and you were asked about your pre-game routine. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to tell us a bit about that? Yeah, so, again, it's been going on since I played mini rugby. Uh, really? We used to yeah, spew before every game. It was particularly difficult uh, on sevens tournaments because you play three games in a day, so <laughs> spewing up three times wasn't great for the old, uh, for the old guts. But, uh, yeah... Is it a nerves thing? Is it? Or are yes, you I mean, ridding the body of anything. Yeah, like? I think. I, well, yeah, it is. It's a nerves thing, you know. Um, and I did. I mentioned that obviously I've, I've played more on on the bench this season, where you can be. You're obviously still focused on the game, but you're slightly more relaxed. There's not that immediate confrontation. But I guess yeah, it's just like my body getting ready for a confrontation, and it wants. How to, you know you're ready? Exactly. Yeah, and I've always again, I've always done it. I guess uh, my, my body will thank me when I stop playing rugby because I'll stop spewing every week. But uh, yeah, it's just something that I do. You had your. You said you had your graduation before you flew down. Yep. Tell us a bit about your, your degree and what you've been doing outside of rugby. Yeah, so I started in 2010. I'd done a year full-time and a year part-time at Edinburgh Uni studying chemical engineering. So uh, I was kind of looking at the engineering route, but there was kind of too many residential schools uh, through the OU, so I couldn't really commit the time to that. So I decided to do a, a BSc in natural sciences. Um, and yeah, kind of just been chipping away over the last six, seven years wish I'd done it before I had kids. Uh, <laughs> last couple of years of it were, uh, were pretty hellish, you know, uh, combined with all the, the training and everything and then going home to a, a young family, that made it really difficult. But glad I persevered. Th- thank my wife, Katie. She made me go and study when, uh, you know, I'd rather just lie on the sofa and fall asleep. Um, but yeah, I did a lot of it kind of coincided with this um, with Ryan Grant's study. So mm-hmm. did kind of similar modules, so helped each other out, which obviously that makes things easier, you know. Somebody struggling along with you, it's... Uh, Makes it makes it a lot easier, but yeah, I just I was delighted to get it. The ceremony was actually really good, and now I'm not the dunce in my family because my older sister's a lawyer, my younger sister's a vet, so proud to have the graduation picture. Family academics, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so. um, anyone who follows you on Instagram will see that you're a, a keen chef. Honey mentioned it before in press <laughs> that, that you only live down the road from you by yeah. for dinner. Yeah. Is that something? Is that something you'd look to do after rugby, or are you going to be sticking to your I probably I probably stick to to my degree. You know, I like I'd say I like cooking as opposed to being a chef. That's my, right, that's okay. how I'd, I'd phrase it. But my old man, obviously, he's uh, Italian. So when we were younger, maybe you know, not traditionally Scottish, it was him that did all the all the cooking um, when we were kids. And uh, yeah, I just kind of I guess picked up a, a passion for for good food. You know, we, we've always had access to to good ingredients. You know, we've got a bit of land at home so mum and dad kind of do their own livestock we have pigs or cows or sheep that mm-hmm. kind of thing so we get access to, to nice meat and then my um, old man the chip shop's actually right next to a, basically like a, a veg a fruit and veg shop so when we were younger it was always bringing up you know the boxes of uh, fresh fruit and veg so and this happened up in Fife yeah up in Fife yeah but, uh, the, the chip shop's in Leaven so basically the, the fruit shop right next door to it so we kind of got uh, you know dad always liked to cook us the thing they say in Italy is uh, minimum effort, maximum satisfaction. So, you know, it's simple ingredients cooked well. And I guess I kind of just picked that up from him. So, yeah, I love love cooking good food for people. I like I love hosting, you know, just having... Yeah, yeah. That's kind of my idea of... A, now, now that I'm an ancient guy, <laughs> having, you know, folk a full, a full uh, dining room table, 
nice, some nice food, some nice wine, and that's me. Uh, that's me happy. So have yeah. you hosted your old man? Is he? Is that the? <laughs> I guess that's the benchmark. If you, you know, know you're good when it's he. It's funny when he when he comes round. My wife absolutely hates it because he's in the kitchen ordering <laughs> ordering everybody around, and he just can't help himself. Uh, but yeah, I guess that'll be the the real acid test is when I can uh, properly impress my old man because he thinks every time he goes out for food. You'll say, oh, I could have done it at home for cheaper every single time, no matter if it's a Michelin star restaurant. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's funny, but uh, but yeah, no, I, I can thank him for that, and I think it is. It's a it's a really a really important thing, you know. As uh, I like sitting down as a family and having food, that's something that's uh, pretty close to my heart. So yeah, the fact that it's it's a chance for everyone to come in and bond, you know, as a, a family, I think it'll be a good thing to keep up. And finally, this season, mm-hmm. what year have you set a target? Yeah. You're only 29. We're yeah. talking about you as a spectrum of the yeah. squad, but you've got so much of your rugby ahead of you. What would you, what would you like to achieve? You know, I'd, uh, I genuinely feel, you know, the way this season started, that we've got a chance to go really far in Europe. Obviously, I'm, I'm not going to say we're going to win it. I don't, I don't say anything like that, but I definitely think we can win the league. You know, the way it's gone so far and the, the depth we've had in the squad, and you know, it's Dave Rennie's second year, and I think things are properly embedded and clicking now. So uh, there's a, a really good feeling about it. Um, and yeah, you know, starting to get that feeling that you know, if we stick to our task, we've got that confidence that we can, you know, hopefully come the end of the season and get some silverware. And then Rob Harley's going to get two hundred soon. Yeah, that? I can't, I can't wait for that. Rob's again, he's the most durable man I know. Never gets injured. Always plays eighty minutes. You know, his arms are hanging off, his nose is halfway across his face, and he just keeps going. He's a, yeah, he's a. I guess he epitomises everything that there is uh, there is good about being a warrior. So um, it'd be massive for him to to get to his two hundred. You won't catch him. I don't. I don't think so. I reckon if I've got a couple more, if I get a couple more years at Glasgow, I'll be extremely happy. Um, I guess that's the plan. You know, I'd love. I'd love to keep playing. Obviously, it depends what the powers that be think. But two more years, and I reckon what will I be thirty one going on thirty two. I reckon <laughs> by that time, everybody will be bigger than me. Won't be anybody smaller than me in the squad. So it'll be time to hang up the boots. Thanks very much, mate. Cheers. The official Glasgow Warriors podcast. So actually, it's that time of the month. The coaches have come together and they've nominated four players to be their McRae Financial Services Warrior of the Month. And that poll is now live on Twitter. They put forward Matt Fagerson, Rob Harley, Johnny Gray and DTH. Uh, who would you be voting for? I would go for... All guys played really well over the last month, but I'd say I've got to go for Matt Fagerson. I think he's been really impressive. Um, in the European games and also on the weekend against Munster, he's playing well, he's carrying well. Um, he's 20 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, man, I'm looking forward to seeing how he goes in the future, but I think yeah, he, he probably deserves it for me. Well, that poll is open until 5pm on Friday, so you can still have your say. Also, don't forget that our next home game is against Cardiff Blues and tickets for that are still available on glasgowarriors.org. And you can also still register your interest to travel with the team to our massive game in France against Lyon. Ashley, what is it like with everyone on the on the flight? It's a, a huge boost, is it not? It's, it's always a good time, um, especially if we get a, a big win. The journey home is usually pretty fun. Um, and there's a festival of lights on in Lyon that week. So is there? There is. It's going to oh, be a hell hopefully of a week. we can get to that then. It's going to be a hell of a weekend, so head over to glasgowarriors.org and regis- register your interest to travel with the team to our, well, it's a, it must be a must-win game now. Every, yeah, it is a must-win. I guess win. every game in Europe is a must-win. These uh, next two games, we'll have to uh, a couple of big performances, and, and yeah, exactly, we're going to have to win every game now pretty much for chances. So a bigger way support could make a huge difference. Mm. 
And, and don't forget that block two of our We Are Warriors camp is available to buy at glasgowwarriors.org now too. It's on Friday nights here at Scottsdale and it's perfect for young up-and-coming Adam Ashes, I guess. Yeah, get yourself down. I used to go to those camps when I was a, a young fella. Um, always good fun and uh, opportunity to, I guess, meet some players and get some good coaching. So, yeah, it'll be awesome. Ashy, thanks for your time. Thanks again for listening to Warriors Weekly. We'll be back at the same time next week. See you next week. The Glasgow Warriors official podcast with Jack and Ashy. Woo.